0: Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free
1: time. Gotta get that in there. Lucas, I did something this week that you've been wanting me to do for a long time. Oh, what did you do? I finally watched Slapshot. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
0: What did you think of
1: Slapshot? Well, my go-to thing to say about it is that they don't make movies like that anymore.
0: That's what I always say about Slapshot, is that, like, whether for better or for worse, Mm -hmm. uh, that is a movie of its time, and when you watch it, I was like... I just, I guess I haven't watched a lot of comedies from the 70s of that ilk uh, because I was taken aback at what's in that film.
1: There's a lot, it's it's very, very 70s. <laughs> and uh, the, the, there's th- that
0: one song that's in it like five times because they bought the rights. Yeah. Because it's all right. Da-da-da-da-da. We can't sing anymore because we'll get sued. Right. But uh, Slap Shot certainly wouldn't get sued because they certainly re- uh, bought the rights for that song. I could see a lot
1: where like. Modern hockey comedies, which aren't many, but like one of like one of my favorite comedies of the past ten years is Goon, mm-hmm. and I can absolutely see where Goon was heavily influenced by some by Slapshot, and it was like it was fun. I, I liked it, but it it moves at its own pace, and you have to be kind of ready to meet it halfway because it is indeed a seventies s- movie, yeah. pretty pretty old by this point. Hello, we're pretty old at this point. We are 20, we are twenty nine episodes old, and neither of us are twenty nine. It's uh,
0: will will man. What Arthur character do you think uh, <laughs> smokes the most weed? <laughs> I think we've answered that on every episode that we've ever had. Yeah, but but we got to <laughs> extra answer it on this episode. <laughs> you, you you sound like you've done. I this think before. it's uh, I think it's. I think it's Francine's dad, man. No. It's because he's so chill about everything, you know what I'm saying? Lucas, I
1: won't have this about Oliver Frensky on this podcast. You either, <laughs> you you bring you bring that stuff outside of this booth or we're done here.
0: The reason he smells when he comes home isn't because of the dump, it's because he's smoking that sticky icky icky. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> happy 420, everybody. Um yeah, yeah. it's the Episodic Arthur podcast.
1: I, I certainly hope you're happy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yes, it is the episodic Arthur podcast, El- Elwood City Limits, and thank you for joining us. This is uh, being recorded on 420, but you won't be joining us on 420 because That's this right. will go up on 421. Happy so belated. We're already behind the curve. This is Will Young, along with my, uh, uh, I guess, more experienced co-host, Lucas Mancini. More experienced. <laughs> Again, uh, like you may not may not have heard me the first time, but I thought you were doing a Seth Rollins impression.
0: I well, you look at Seth Rollins. <laughs> You, you, you give Seth Rollins a good look, and it's not that much of a stretch.
1: Sure. Where do you think he got the blonde in his hair from? Or where oh. do you think it went? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, you know why we're here. We're not here to talk about all that kind of adult stuff. We're here to talk about kids' stuff. That's right. The children's uh, animation television show, Arthur. Thank you for joining us once again. We're happy to have you here. Before we get started, I just have one uh, one quick email I want to get to here from uh, one, of, uh, one of our fans who has uh, certainly written us the most, is quite active with us, uh, Hunter. And Hunter had a quick thing to say. First off, uh, he said, I can't help but draw the comparison between the characters in Arthur and the characters of the Guilty Pleasure Show of the Year, Riverdale.
0: Have you been watching River- Riverdale? No, I've seen an episode here and there over my girlfriend's shoulder. Mm. Uh, I I kinda understand what's going on. There was like a pregnant girl that's living with the rich people. That's
1: Betty's sister.
0: Uh, yeah. And then Betty's mom threw a thing through a window at some point. She did. Uh, and then there's the girl with the red hair who's like trying to seduce Sh- Archie. Cheryl Blossom. Yeah. Okay. And um, and Veronica's there too. She sure is. She's trying to become friends with that girl whose dad and her dad ruined the girl's life or something or no. Her dad Eth- ruined Ethel. that girl's dad's life. Yes, Ethel. And Jughead's terrible. Mm, well, he's weird. Well, I don't know if you know this or not. Jughead, he's a weirdo. He he's says a, he's a spooky kid. He's a self-proclaimed weirdo who's not like other guys. It's kind of cute though. That's why he wears that stupid hat. This is his words, not mine. That's why he wears that stupid hat. So
1: you're paying a bit more attention than uh,
0: you let on. Well, I just told you everything I know. So
1: <laughs> so yeah, Riverdale, uh, Hunter... I wanted to say that, of course, uh, he drew some comparisons between the characters of each show. Arthur is Archie, the main character. Buster sure. is Jughead, the best friend. Okay. Francine is Veronica, kind at times, but vicious when she wants to be. And I feel like
0: Muffy's more of a Veronica. No, like, because... Oh, oh, wait, never mind, never mind. I take it back. I take it all back. Okay, Muffy, Muffy
1: is Cheryl Blossom for Correct. obvious reasons. Yeah. And I'll go one further. I'd say Sue Ellen is the Betty of the show. Uh, I, I, and I And I could keep going, but... Uh, I don't really want to talk too much about Riverdale. You want to talk about guilty pleasures. I have so much guilt that I continue to watch and I'm maybe, maybe kind of starting to enjoy that show. Maybe no, no, no I'm not. No I'm not. I don't enjoy that at all. I just I'm 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 in I'm in deep and I have to keep digging to get myself out. Hunter also says, I also had to deal with the dreaded banning of toys. Now we were I think we might have been talking about toys banned at school. Yeah. First it was Beyblades. He oh, says too much. Hunter. So for, so I just want to say here, you know, we have we have listeners of all ages here. That's why we try to keep the language, you know, friendly for let's say a PG rated audience. Uh, Hunter, first, it was Beyblades. We're not talking about well, first off, we're not talking about D&D books that's that would be older than us that's true we're not talking about uh power rangers nope. that would be right around my age maybe okay. little, but we're not talking
0: about pokemon no nope. pokemon cards no nope. we're talking we're starting at beyblades beyblades my school had a School-organized Beyblade tournament. They embraced the Beyblades rather than shun them. I remember the news came to my school one day, and they said, everybody bring your Beyblades to the gym because the local news needs to get footage of everybody playing Beyblades. Mm -hmm. I had a Beyblade arena. That I Me too. To school. Me too. I bought uh, it at, I bought a it at, piece of plastic that I'm sure my parents paid way too much money for.
1: I bought it at a street yard sale. There you go. So I got it with a bunch of Beyblades. I remember we didn't have the arena for a long time, so we played them on the ground and like scuffed them up. I had one with a metal end that did better and then one with a plastic end that got shredded. Yeah, but I got and I even had like the um I watched way too much of the cartoon show Beyblade the it's, theme song, though. It's, the theme song's great. show's terrible. Like, I've watched it semi-recently. It's bad. I have, not,
0: I have not watched it since. I feel like I've watched Battle Beat'em on more recently than I've watched Beyblade. That,
1: that's that's a little bit uh, skewing younger than me. I didn't get into Battle Beat'em on But I had, like, the special Beyblade launcher, the one with, like, the... Uh, there was, like, a point in the episode because there was the... Oh, I'm so sorry I'm talking this long about this. I'd rather talk about Riverdale for longer than this. But, like, the normal Beyblade launcher where you kind of had to... Put your hand in like the upright claw grip. Yeah, and then there was the one where in the show they discovered that if you had one that you like gripped on the side like a sword handle, then you get like like thirty percent more leverage, and yeah. that was how Tyson won against the Blade Breakers. Gosh, and that you
0: you really actually do remember more about the Beyblade lore than I do. There was ty- and ty- I would have ty- experienced it more recently than you. Or, or
1: excuse me, I said won against the Blade Breakers. They were the Blade Breakers: Tyson, Kai, Ray, and Max. Gosh. And
0: I don't remember. And Kenny was the kid with the glasses. I don't remember anybody besides Kai because he was the cool but rude one. You know
1: the um the the most fun part of that show is seeing how stupid the gimmick Beyblades got because at one point they fought like the American team and they were all about sports because anime. So there was like a kid who like his his Beyblade was in a baseball and he would like hit a pop fly with it and that would give it like the. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Will just had a wild look come over his eyes as if he was possessed <laughs> by some sort of... What were the creatures called they let let in the bit, Beyblades? Bit beasts. He as If he was possessed by some sort of bit beast.
1: Drigger, Draciel, Dragoon. Okay, we gotta Dra- move on. Dra- Dronzer. Yeah, j- <laughs>
0: What are you talking about? Weed strains again? Are we going back to the full forward- <laughs> one? Dronzer, yo man, I got oh. this Dronzer from out west, my dude. If
1: I ever hit, rock, <laughs> if I ever, if I ever hit rock bottom and start dealing weed, that's gonna be the name of my strains. You just thought of it. It's all gonna be Beyblade because that's how sad my life's gonna be. Sorry, I just again, I just kept digging and then to dig myself out, I just dug up. Uh, okay, so first Beyblades. As, this is all. This is from the yeah. from Hunter Maddox's email. First, it was Beyblades, too much trading. Then Yu-Gi-Oh cards, <laughs>
0: too much capitalism. Anyway, continue.
1: <laughs> then Yu-Gi-Oh cards, same reason as Beyblades. Yeah. Now the now the fear with like Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, was that like you know there was the news story about like a kid pulled a knife on another kid because he wanted his holographic Charizard or something or his uh, Exodia, the Forbidden One. Uh, I don't. I don't think Yu-Gi-Oh was ever banned at the schools I went to because I played them openly a lot. I I was huge into Yu-Gi-Oh and I still have my deck somewhere.
0: I was never a Yu-Gi-Oh kid, but I'll tell you what. Yu-Gi-Oh's Yu-Gi-Oh is also a terrible Yu-Gi-Oh, show. Yu-Gi-Oh um, was popular at my high school. There mm. was the smelly kids continued to play Yu-Gi-Oh well into their young adult, up to adult years. Dude, so. dude, me. Oh no, well no. The, you're
1: talking about me and my friends. We're, we're smelly. We're smelly. I just came from the gym. I'm smelly right now. Sell
0: that blue-eyes white dragon, buy some deodorant. Uh, Anyway, continue.
1: Some blue-eyes white spice. Sports
0: (laughs) stick. (laughs) Okay. Man, (laughs) you can tell we're recording this on 420. Anyway, continue. And
1: finally, Bakugan. Again, Uh, for everyone's favorite reasoning, trading. Bakugan. I have no idea. That sounds
0: so familiar. Like, uh, this is me. Oh, okay. I was way too old for this. But that's the one where they're like little marbles and then they turn into thingies.
1: I'm putting my hands up. I don't know.
0: All that stuff is like the same level. We've talked about how Drake did the Spider Riders opening before on this very show, I believe. Yes. But all that stuff is on the same level as like a Spider Riders for me, where it's Mm -hmm. like that four kids, Mm -hmm. like... And not four kids as in it's in it's four kids. Four kids as in the animation production the, company, the option of Fox. The number four. Yeah, the number kids. four.
1: And, all the, that and stuff, the fox the Fox box.
0: I get all that stuff mixed up in my head. Like it's all essentially battle beat em on and Yu Gi Oh and, and st- all that stuff exact is the exact same thing as far as I'm concerned. Once
1: Yu-Gi-Oh was passe, then that was it. Like I, that's when I grew up. That's when I discovered. Um, you were like, now I know that
0: Magic the Gathering is actually the king's game. That's 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 the game for cool people that play it in coffee Whoa, shops. That took me by
1: surprise. Magic the Gathering is the king's game. Oh,
0: oh, all right. You know what? It sounds like Hunter went to a pretty lame school, though, man.
1: Yeah, that's too bad.
0: They gotta let you play with all that cool, cool stuff. Like Absolutely. Magic. Or you gotta mm. bust
1: out the old stuff. Gotta figure out how to play the Dragon Ball Z card game. Oh, just uh, thanks, thanks, uh, Hunter. <laughs> that reminded me of my childhood. Of yeah, it was fun to take a trip down the, memory lane. The collectible card games and the animes and all that kind of cool stuff. Hopefully, you're living a good one right now. From all of that, let's get into a cartoon of. Mm, much greater substance, a much, a much, a much uh, more vintage year for sure uh, of Arthur. So today we are talking about uh, two sto- two more stories. Let's start off with my club rules. Uh, this one starts out with Arthur talking about the ins and outs of teams and clubs. So like what you like the basic idea of what a club is and how mm. to belong to it. So it's like you know when you belong to a club you have to follow certain rules. Like uh, when it comes to sports teams you have to all be playing the same rules or else everybody would be playing their own way. And there's a little visualization of everybody playing a game of soccer, like Francine, the tough customers, et cetera. And they're all playing soccer rules and they all get in like a big pile up and then Arthur says, well, what if everybody was playing by their own rules? And then it's like everybody's got, like, Francine's got the football helmet. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a dog kid that looks like he's a descendant of Pal okay. uh, who's, like, riding a bicycle. Rattles his on uh, moon boots. <laughs> and at one point, like, they all get into a pileup. Then George comes out of the pileup with the ball. And then Sue Ellen comes by in a horse and just snatches
0: it from him. <laughs> They're essentially playing Calvin Ball. Oh, what's, what's that from?
1: It's Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin Ball. Oh, Calvin Ball. I I didn't grow up with Calvin and Hobbes, so I haven't read it too much. Oh my goodness. That's that's what I'm a little bit. Talk about on. stuff
0: that's aged well.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: it, rega- the rules of Calvin Hall Calvin Ball are there's one rule and it's there are no rules.
1: I so. see. Um, Arthur also extends this these rules to like the library because mm-hmm. it's not really a team or a club, but you know, it all operates on under one rule. Because if you don't bring your your books back, then it's not a library. And and then t- you know to be in the swim club you have to know how to swim and then binky dive uh, cannonballs into the pool and then thinks he's drowning but then is big enough to stand up in the shallow end so he's fine he's fine uh this also ends on a rather ominous note this cold open because arthur is biking by the tibbles house and timmy and tommy have like a downed branch that they're sitting on and i think it's I want to say it's Tommy who is like, to pass this house, you have to pay a dollar and hop on one foot, and I'm just like, just go the other way.
0: The more messed up about part about that is, not only are they mugging people, they're also just embarrassing <laughs> them mugging. for their. They're also just embarrassing them for their own enjoyment. Like, I want to see a hop, hop, read, hop. Like, there's no point to that other than just like. Tommy and Timmy, they love their mischief. (laughs) This intro is weird now that you pointed out. Like, I half expected Arthur to start talking about, and the Knights Templar, they know where the Holy Grail is. Oh, my goodness. The Freemasons. Go to your local masonry lodge. Like, uh, from the jump, it's weird to have an episode of this show, and I think— like they're trying to talk about clubs in more broad terms, like, oh, you have specific rules when you go to the library. You got to be quiet. You got to return your books on time. But whenever people start talking about clubs and stuff, I'm just like, you mean like the Illuminati? Mm-hmm. And you talk Arthur? You talk really? About- That's what you go to first? I don't know. Like clubs as an adult, it's just so like you go to the country club. They have all their specific rules. I guess I'm the kind of person where all those like structures and stuff. It's weird to me as an adult. Like People like the Freemasons and all that stuff, it just seems kind of odd. Clubs as a kid, it makes a lot of sense. you got to be in this club. Mm. So I guess I've just talked it out and it made it sense in my own head. <laughs> when it comes to kids' shows, it's less weird to me, I guess. For sure. So the episode
1: starts off, uh, Mr. Ratburn is kind of giving, <coughs> excuse me, Mr. Ratburn and Mr. Haney are uh, kind of giving everybody the... W- the couple weeks warning to have their floats in for the uh, the Elwood City Strawberry Festival. Now, I was like for, at first I was like, what kind of a town has a strawberry festival? But de- <laughs> uh, uh, but then I remembered the town that we live in has a uh, uh, a festival dedicated to a certain type of tree blossom. So, you know what?
0: Shutting up. I wrote down the exact same thing. It reminded me of the uh, the same festival in this town. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I will say a couple things that honestly didn't sit well with me since childhood. They're like, you only have like three weeks to finish your costumes and floats. And I'm like, okay, wait wait a second. We're talking like a real parade and you're expecting kids to create drivable floats? That sounds like, that's, that's like a diorama times a hundred. Like you're making things to scale for you. That sounds really
0: hard. It sounds like you need, like, carpentry, uh, construction, glasswork. Someone with a driver's license. Yeah. Uh, Me and you came to the exact same conclusion, Will. And I think this episode, it's a pretty popular, like, sitcom archetype. Like, Mm -hmm. we got to work together to make a float for the parade.
1: Well, it it was done in one of my favorite Family Guy episodes. (laughs) <laughs> not that not that Family Guy's my favorite anything, but it's an early episode of Family Guy. I really like that one. But well, it's the same thing. Same thing. I wrote
0: down. It reminded me. I've been watching Nirvana the band, and there's a Nirvana ah. the band episode where they try and sneak a float in the uh, Toronto Christmas parade, <laughs> uh, and their float has way less. Not to jump ahead, but their float has way less production value than any float in this parade, and they're adults.
1: I still need. Uh, I, still, I still need to to check that out. You did give me the. Uh, the, the order to, to check that out.
0: But I, I like in all these shows where people make their own uh, floats, it's always just so fantastical. I know it's a cartoon, they could do whatever they want, but anytime I've ever tried to see kids organize anything, let alone a high production value parade float, some Macy's tier parade floats, mm-hmm. uh, it would never. Be as good as it is in this episode. No way.
1: And uh, they both describe Mr. Ratburn and Mr. Haney. Describe their floats. Uh, you know, Mr. Haney's going to be the king of the Button Island float, atop a fake tree. Mr. Ratburn is going to be on top of a strawberry shortcake made with real strawberries. <laughs> and we're three weeks out. I can't believe nobody said to him, "There's going to be a couple problems with this, Haas." Like maybe you should rethink this, as we see later. But man, oh man, did that should that have been? You know. Restructured.
0: Yeah, you'd think that a lot of people would have to say yes to that idea before it was executed from the planning stages and then on, but hey.
1: Then again, Ratburn's a handy guy. Maybe he made it himself and just uh, was his own boss, which is the problem. Uh, back at Arthur's Treehouse, they're talking about the prospective floats that they could do as a group. There's a few ideas that they bandy around. Buster's is they are all on a revolving pizza, like a giant revolving pizza, and they're all dressed up as ingredients which, which he says, mushrooms, pepperoni, and anchovies, and that's two of those are n- nobody's favorite pizza
0: toppings. Mushrooms, pepperoni, and anchovies. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's but like, Buster he marches at the beat of his own drum.
1: That's true, especially when it comes to food. I'm just considering other people's feelings
0: when they're this. going down like their ideas for floats. Like again. Is it the purpose of a parade? It's so people can watch and be entertained, but it's also like mostly sponsorships and advertising. It's like a business buys a float, but I guess this parade, it's just like these kids are going to do whatever they want. Well, I think that maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's like a children's parade mm. or maybe it's like, oh, this float is sponsored by Mr. Rapperns grade three class they're putting on this float yeah I guess I'm looking a little bit too deep into it but it doesn't seem to have a unifying theme we're just gonna be a pizza well or we're gonna be brains recommendation well I
1: suppose if I mean I guess it's yeah generally strawberries but at the same time like you wouldn't want to I I guess you don't want to limit their imagination but Mm. fair fair point I guess Uh, especially because brains first idea is they all want to ride the twisted nucleotide strands of a DNA double helix which gets a complete uh silence and then he just suggests they wear their baseball uniforms, which everybody likes. Uh and then as they're hanging out in the treehouse, D W catches sight of them and uh Francine is the one to be to say it's Arthur's Dwonky little sister again.
0: I love how this scene is framed because like Francine like peeks out from the the treehouse and it's almost like a fisheye lens view of her vision. Mm -hmm. And you can see uh, DW getting closer at like Francine's paddock of like, oh, no, it's Arthur's donky little sister. I just thought the word dwonky was
1: kind of strange. I got to add it to my lexicon.
0: <laughs> That's another level of insult.
1: So, they're trying to get DW kind of off their scent. So, th- this is where the club thing comes in. It's the parade float club and Arthur says members only. But DW wants to become a member, so they have to come up with a s- with some sort of scheme to get her again, get her off the scent. Uh, so the first thing is that Francine will writes down a bunch of rules on a cue card and passes one to Arthur first one is all members must be able to kick a ball out of the yard and they provide DW a bowling ball to kick which DW smarter than some other four year olds Knows that she'll break her foot if she kicks the bowling ball.
0: Yeah. Also, they're trying to break DW's foot.
1: This is crazy. Yeah. It's like, what would happen if she went through with it? What if they? What if they had underestimated have, her intelligence? What if they had overestimated? Yeah. Her intelligence?
0: Well, I I think they were thinking she was gonna kick it, right? So mm. they expected that to end with her. Oh, you think they would just? I think you I, think that they think she would just give up because she I think couldn't. They, kick I it. think
1: they were giving her the benefit of the doubt. that She was mm. smart enough to know that she couldn't do that. I see. Which fine for DW, but for other four year olds. Mm, I don't know, and then DW gets them with honestly logic. I don't understand understand how this got them. She's you know she says you know I'll break my foot if I kick that, and then she says you kick it. Everybody in the club has to kick it, right? Everybody's like, uh, uh. And, I'm, and I'm like, no, no no no, you already did. That's why you're in the club now. You already did it, so you don't have to do it again. Uh <laughs> um and then Arthur says the kicking rule is hereby canceled you must draw a funny picture of Mr. Ratburn to join which uh, they all have a bit of fun with in the living room DW draws her picture it's it's cu- it's cute i'd say it's cute her picture of Mr. Ratburn uh, it's like a stick figure with a with a funny rat head and nobody laughs except for Buster who thinks it's genuinely funny and then just misses the entire thing Uh, And then finally, we get to what should have been the rule in the first place. Arthur just says, to join, you have to be in the third grade. And then I like how Francine and Binky are just like, if you're so smart, why didn't you figure that out before? (laughs) Just like, why didn't we do this from the start? In fact, like right after that, it's pretty much that was to that whole thing was to introduce the fact that DW is in this episode and they kind of rejected her. But it was also like a kind of a long way to get around to making that point.
0: Well, so this happened to me. I was the DW in this scenario before. Uh, I had these kids on my street, mm. and they were a lot older than me. And I wanted to hang out with them because older kids are cool, Older obviously. kids are cool. And they were playing Smash Brothers Melee. Ooh, Melee. And they didn't want to hang out with me because I was a young little kid, and that'd be lame, right? Uh, so they said they I could hang out with them if I beat them at Smash Brothers Melee. Little did they know. Uh oh! I wiped the floor with them. I oh. was a savant. Who was your character? Back when I was a kid, it was Kirby. Nice. Uh, nowadays I main Pikachu, mm-hmm. but uh I back then i I couldn't have been that old, but I remember I was very impressed with myself, and then I backed them into a corner though thems was the rules they put forward. they thought they'd be able to beat me at Smash Brothers, but alas,
1: good job I once uh i actually think I was Kirby as well. I bet my friend that uh Whoever uh, lost a Smash Brothers game had to uh, streak down the street naked. And oh, my was, goodness. Uh, uh, when, when was this? And this was this was when I w- had just finished high school, and it was in front of my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, and I just, yeah, I think he was Fox and I was Kirby, and I beat him like we were both in the hundreds by this much. And I was so happy, and he didn't do it.
0: Final Destination, no items?
1: No, it was, uh, no, we're, we're talking original Smash Brothers.
0: Was there no Final Destination in Originals? It's been no. a while since I played in 64 no. Smash Brothers.
1: No, there was I'm not. not. I'm not very good at Ed 64 Smash Brothers. Mm. Anyway, he totally chickened out. Adam, you chickened out, and I won. So <laughs> He's like, uh, double or nothing, GoldenEye, slappers only. Oh, well, then he would probably win. He's really good at that. Uh, so then finally, that vignette of the episode over. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're in the treehouse kind of saying that, uh, actually, Muffy is putting forth that they need to start collecting dues. Uh, <laughs> Which, of course she is. Like, she's kind of, she kind of rubs her finger on the wood just like, ew, filth. So they need to, like, clean it up and a dollar a week should do it.
0: In Muffy's defense, that's how adult clubs work. You gotta pay dues for upkeep. They have fundraisers. It's
1: true, but, like, who cares?
0: (laughs) Like, you've been in this... Touche. (laughs) You've been in
1: this treehouse for 29 episodes. Like, why are you just bringing this up now? Uh... (laughs) So sh- everybody protests this because obviously they don't make that kind of thing. In fact, Buster's uh, got
0: such a good line here. He does.
1: He says, "Hey, I'm not made of money, you know. I'm made of fur. I <laughs> actually like Binkies." His was, "I wouldn't give you two cents if you paid me." <laughs> uh, and of course, Muffy offers to pay for Francine, who only has a fifty cent a week allowance, which is. You want to talk about hard times, that's hard times, daddy. I feel like that was a
0: reasonable allowance in the 90s. Maybe so. 50 cents in 90s money? Well, psh, that's like a...
1: My first My first allowance was a loony. Did, did you have... I yours? never had an allowance. You never had an allowance? Never had an allowance, wow. no. okay.
0: I just did... My parents were like, do these chores, and I said, okay. I, uh,
1: it went from a do- I, I didn't have it for a while... But I think when I was maybe seven or eight, I started to get one. And it went from a loony. And then the last time I had allowance, I think I stopped in high school. But at that point, it was up to five bucks. Oh, my goodness. Um, and that's at the point where sometimes, like, you want to go out to a movie or something. And at least sometimes your parents would be like, hey, you want some money? I'm just like, nah. Like, at that point, I was working part-time jobs and stuff. I'm like, I can do that myself, thank you, wanted to be independent, Uh, so then Muffy, uh, having been rejected soundly, says, uh, uh, we don't need this old shack, we'll have our own clubhouse, and I just want to say here, this, there is several setups in here, where somebody is just like, is storming out of somewhere and says something to the effect of we'll have our own clubhouse and every single time either out loud or in my brain I filled in with blackjack and hookers (laughs) like (laughs) so Muffy says the the line here is it's sort of
0: like adding in bed to a fortune cookie or something oh my mother does that all the time we'll have our own
1: clubhouse with computer games and everything to which I was like we'll have our own clubhouse with
0: blackjack and hookers (laughs) oh my goodness and that's not the last time that happened happens uh at some point uh arthur uh protests and he says this treehouse has always been free as if he's like a marxist or something like every treehouse from every treehouse from their ability to uh, a treehouse to
1: everyone for their need or if or if like the, this is the kind of response i fear getting if we ever if we ever set up a patreon and then we get <laughs> And we get a long-time listener who's like, this podcast has always been free. Exactly. And it's like, it still is, dude. Uh, (laughs) uh, So Francine and Muffy leave. And then Buster's kind of like, imagine having to pay a dollar a week to use this crummy old place. And Arthur, at this point, he's still mad. Like, he's still on the defense. So he's just like, oh, if you think it's so crummy, you can leave too. Like, just kind of... Like he, like he's raring at this point. He's just firing on all cylinders. So Buster feels insulted and goes over to Muffy's club, which he makes a good point. They'll have computer games. That's very true. That's a huge draw. <laughs> that's a huge draw over to the Tokyo Dome. That is Muffy's, the Muffy Club. <laughs> and because hey, wrestling reference. Every time they said the blank club, I was just throwing up the two sweet ski. Oh, there you go. That's funny. So uh, <laughs> so she says the. Uh, the Muffy Club is officially open. She even has like her own little hobbit house that is like a, a clubhouse for them to hang out in.
0: Now that you put it that way, this episode really is faction wars. The Arthur <laughs> episode, like so, I have expect Francine to be like, you gotta be with the red and black, brother. If you're not with the red and <laughs> <or> black, so.
1: <laughs>
0: oh man, I didn't think of that. in my mind—I didn't think about that either. Now it's my like... mind's racing. So like,
1: the Muffy Club would be the Bullet Club probably. Mm.
0: They'd be like, uh,
1: uh, uh, I'm thinking of New Japan Faction Warfare. Oh, okay. So to
0: get this I was even- thinking the Muffy Club would be like the new breed or something, like whichever club's backed by money. Oh the, oh, the new blood? The new blood. Yeah, that's the Muffy Club. So does that make
1: Muffy the Vince Russo of Arthur? Absolutely. I feel
0: very <laughs> similarly about Muffy at this point in oh, this show as I do about Vince Russo. If
1: Vince Russo act, uh, was Muffy's voice actor, it would be the first good thing he ever did in his life. Uh, Welcome
0: to the Muffy Club.
1: Welcome to the Muffy Club. (laughs) Two dollars a week for you,
0: Buster, because you eat too much. (laughs) And And Ric Flair, you can't come into the Muffy Club. The Muffy Muffy Club takes place in Ric Flair's house, and Muffy's about to give us a tour. (laughs) makes Francine sleep <laughs> on a mattress in the basement.
1: Uh, um, yeah, so we get a little bit of a, as you said, tour of the Muffy Club. It's got everything, computer games. It's got a fully stocked fridge behind a portrait of Muffy.
0: This uh, club makes me, it reminds me of like what everybody thought really nice places were like in the 90s. It's yes. almost like, it reminds me of the uh, TV from the end of Goodfellas. What he's got okay. like the nice new place at Goodfellas and they have that like... Really, like big CRT TV that mm-hmm. spins out of the wall in the room, yeah. and like if you looked at that now, you're like, "Man, this is a whack setup." But back in back in Goodfellas times, that was very well, impressive. Well, this is
1: the era of like Macaulay Culkin and Richie Rich. That's right, blank, blank check.
0: check. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was thinking of blank check as we were talking about this. It's always got to be like superfluous spinning mm-hmm. in all of the devices. It's got to be fully stocked with all of the bad food. That that your parents don't let you eat it's got to be controlled by a remote and there's got to be a tv some a crt big screen not wide big screen tv
0: somewhere it's like that youtube video where that guy's like i got snacks on snacks on snacks and when a girl comes over hit it with the smeared off ice have you ever seen that (laughs) where he's like i when he opens up his fridge he's like Fridge full of drinks, all drinks. Is that, the, is that,
1: uh, this is my new
0: haircut? I don't know who this gentleman is. I all know. I know is he has got a fridge full of drinks. It doesn't matter if you want vitamin water or what you want, he's got it.
1: Okay. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm glad we were on the same page for that one. Um, so, uh, so she says dues are a dollar a week and two dollars for you, Buster. And like, I feel bad because my mind works really well with comparisons. I couldn't think of one for this. The closest I could think of, again, bring it back here, was that this is Muffy's Patreon access. So for $2 a month, Buster Baxter can get to eat all he wants. He, Buster has to access the $1 tier because uh, he eats like a pig, which he decries is not fair, which uh, is, is true. I, I don't think that's – but at the same time, you got to keep up those cost of living. So I kind of I kind of understand it, but it's also not the greatest thing in the world, especially because they're just kids. And Buster kind of storms out, and uh, then he tries to ingratiate himself back to the the treehouse gang. Oh,
0: right before then, Muffy uh, takes out some macaroons, and yes. I just wanted to say. I love macaroons. <laughs>
1: I used to, When uh, when my mother would take me to the uh, the grocery store when I was very little and like you know riding in the cart little, uh, we would always go to the bakery section. They usually have either cookies or macaroons. So macaroons that's macaroons are that, super good. That's when I I haven't had a macaroon in a long time. There's
0: a shop in uh, in town that ha- that makes them. It's called um, Scanway and there's like a donut yes. shop yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes they have macaroons they're very very good. Nice.
1: Uh So Buster is rebuffed by everybody else because they've written up a, an official charter where the rule number one is that anyone can join except Buster Baxter who is a dirty traitor for joining Muffy. We're getting into some really heavy
0: language here. That's right. First rule of fight club don't talk about fight club First rule of Parade Float Club, Buster is banned.
1: And, in fact, Arthur's put up a curtain for the for the singular act of swooshing it angrily <laughs> if Buster tries to get back in.
0: I wonder if they have, like, a picture of Buster on the wall, and it's, like, a big sign that says, Do not let this man in. Darts in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> darts in it. Um, and then Buster's back at his own apartment, and he says, I'll start my own club with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> but, no, he's, he's not. In fact, it's... Uh, 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 I was going to say it's not as cool. Then I was going to say it's cooler. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Depending and so, on your
0: perspective, yeah. it's uh, a very cool. Yeah.
1: So he's. it's the reading comic books under the blanket club that he's going to start. Uh, then at this point, we're kind of getting everybody splintering off.
0: Yeah, I wrote down everyone in this episode is being very unreasonable except yes. for with the exception of Biggie and DW everybody else in this episode is just they're being a big old piece of work this time the mm. gang is
1: Francine and Arthur are playing a soccer game and Arthur wants Francine to pass but she won't and then that ends up losing them the game and because uh, Francine's club charter says they, she can't talk to any member of his club even though they could have won the game as Arthur said and I noted here this is kind of an interesting non like there's a lot of ways you can talk about this subject, and this is a very mild way to do it, which I think is good for a kids' show to talk about like exclusion and in a way, kind of prejudice. Like it's a, a very mild stepping stone to talk about prejudice because that's kind of what that is. It's like, well, we can't talk to you because you're in a different club mm. as 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 much as we both lose when we did that, but I still can't do it because the club says so.
0: I actually, I think Luke, you're tot- Al- Luke Owls and Carl Anderson say so. I I, I think you're totally right. And if you take that too, it's like the final conclusion. It's like, this is like the kid's show version of Oz. Like don't talk to that gang over don't, there.
1: Don't talk to Schillinger.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> and then,
0: uh, yeah, at a BC, he's mm-hmm. going to Arthur BC. And then there's a ghost in the fifth season. Anyway, <laughs> that show got weird. <laughs> <laughs> And then and,
1: and then Cyril was going to get executed, and then he wasn't, but then he was? What was going on with Oz? Buster kind of woos Sue Ellen over to his club because they were going to sit down with Muffy and Francine. They move away. Buster says, members of my club can sit with whoever they want. And Sue Ellen's like, oh, what's your club? And then she quits Arthur's club because if she can't talk to Buster, then uh, she quits. Arthur's having a little bit of trouble as well, so at this point, all that's left are Brain and Binky, and they're reading comic books up in the treehouse, and Brain says, this is no fun. Do we have to read comic books every day? To which Arthur's like, yes, it's part of the club. And then uh, Brain said,
0: (laughs) one Marvel event too many, and Brain was fed up.
1: (laughs) Ah, Civil War II? This is,
0: this is, this
1: is, this is asinine. Uh, then Brain says, I'm going to form a club where members always have fun with blackjack and hookers. Oh, man. But except without that last part. And uh, then Binky just tosses his comic book. is pretty funny, like right in Arthur's face. And Binky leaves saying, I want to have fun too. So, there you go. Every, Again,
0: a reasonable request. Biki's the only one being reasonable. Everybody else is just, like, yelling at each other. So, at
1: this point, we've got, you know, we've got the Bullet Club. We've got Chaos. We've got suzuki Goon, We've got uh, Ryusuke Taguchi's uh, uh, s- faction. I forget what it's called. Uh, Taguchi Concern or whatever the heck. Uh, yeah. We've got all.
0: – we're all splintered at
1: this That's right. point.
0: NWO, the red and black.
1: Oh, yeah. The, de-
0: the, the new breed the what was the other one that was the new the millionaires club the millionaires club that's what i was thinking that's what buffy's club would be the millionaires yeah oh good one good one yeah. uh so but at this
1: point even the clubs themselves are not safe from fracturing so francine is locked out of the clubhouse because she didn't show up yesterday which is a rule members must show up every day but the thing is, is that francine was sick so what you're what you have here is a classic no win scenario francine didn't come to the club because she was sick and then is kicked out. The other way is that she came to the club when she was sick and then got Muffy sick. So either way, nobody
0: wins. Again, Muffy, very unreasonable. She bans her for life from this club. Absolutely. Uh, Buster and
1: Sue Ellen are splintering as well because Sue Ellen (laughs) rightly complains that in the reading comic books under the blanket club, which is, I remind you, a table on which a blanket is placed, there's no air under there. And the old food that Buster is eating stinks. (laughs) And uh, she, like,
0: there's like pizza on the ground that she kind of scoffs at when no, she, she leaves. No, she
1: steps on it.
0: Yeah, she steps on it and leaves, and the Muster like looks at it and then eats it, and he's like, mmm, wait, come back."
1: Yeah, like I'm garbage. <laughs> uh, and then finally, we get to Brains Club. Which is uh, him looking at paramecium under a microscope and Binky just being bored, like literally fishing around in his ear with his pinky.
0: Brain and Binky are not characters we've seen interact one on one a mm-hmm. lot yet. And I loved their little interaction here where, like, Brain is like, Are you having fun? Binky's very matter of fact, he's like, No.
1: It's a very slobs and snobs kind of dynamic that they have. And then, like, after Binky says no, then we get to see a little bit of the dark side of Brain, which we haven't really explored yet. He says, Then you, like, he, and at this point, he's yelling at him. He's, Then you can't be in my club. You have to have fun in my club. It's the fun club. Mandatory and he kicks him fun. out. Yeah, mandatory fun. I don't like it. A little bit of a dictatorial spree in brain, and we get a little bit of snapshots of everybody else's club of one. The one warrior nations, <laughs> uh, like Francine, has the exciting club, uh, which is just her in her room it's using like no party supplies, using noisemakers. Uh, Sue Ellen's is the reading and walking club. Uh, pretty much at this point, everybody's doing their own thing and calling it a club, and everybody's pretty miserable. Uh, you know, shots of Brain and Buster and all that sort of thing. Uh, by the way, I'm not doing a mashup for every time people say club in this episode. I have, I just, I can't, I have to draw you the line. You could do somewhere.
0: a mashup of every time you've said club in this episode. Yeah, the word club is starting to lose its meaning.
1: It's not going to happen. And it, it definitely does by the end of this episode as well. And then finally, Arthur is left without a friend in the world. He goes up to his treehouse and he sees DW there just reading comic books because she figured that Arthur and his friends would be up there. But then all of a sudden, uh, his friends start trickling back to the treehouse because they've all kind of independently realized that what they're doing is inherently very silly, and they've all gone pretty far. So everybody just kind of slowly funnels back in, but DW takes charge of the Parade Float Club, which is her club, since she was there first, which, fine, fine, and fine. And And then she says, we will ride my float in the parade. And then finally, the ending of this episode is we get to the parade and we see the problem of Mr. Ratburn's float coming to fruition emphasis on the fruit and uh, he's his floats in trouble. He's on top of there. He's got the strawberry hat on the real strawberries. And wouldn't you? By know the it, way,
0: if those are real strawberries, those are some GMO strawberries because they are huge. They are
1: huge, and birds are at him at every second, and he is not having it. And I'm like, well. Somebody should have told you no. Their float ends up being a um, one of those, I'm going to call it a pharaoh chair, a pharaoh throne where it's like DW's dressed up as an Egyptian pharaoh and it's like those two planks that hold up the chair and uh, Francine, Muffy, Arthur, and Buster are carrying it.
0: It's like the Katy Perry Dark Horse
1: video. <laughs> Not bad. Good one. Francine and Muffy are um, sing, are like singing DW's praises at the back and just like, I never knew she was so smart. Yeah, she has better ideas than Arthur. And then Francine says, I don't know why Arthur didn't let her join in the first place. And I'm like, y- you, you said that. Y- you, j'accuse,
0: A little bit, of, little bit of dramatic irony there, but I like the touch. And cause... then, then Arthur is just grumbling
1: under his breath
0: in the episodes. <laughs> exactly. He's sort of being the audience surrogate in that yeah. moment. And now a word from us kids. So, a weird vibe from this Word From Us Kids, and now talking over the episode, I actually understand it a little bit more, okay. because I was kind of confused on the moral of the My Club Rules episode. I thought that episode came down at the end as very anti-club, yes. but I realize now that it was less anti-club and more anti-exclusion. So, I was weirded out because this Word From Us Kids is a bunch of kids talking about all their clubs. Oh, this is the animal club, and you have to make up an animal for yourself. Now I realize... The, it wasn't, again, it wasn't necessarily anti-club, it was anti-exclusatory rules, so the kids yeah. are just being like, oh, we have clubs together and we're friends, we're nice to each other.
1: I think the best way to uh, take it is that, as you said, it's anti-exclusion, and which is kind of the... the the bad side of clubs and membership is that it can be, I think that was like clubs at its worst. And now a word from us kids this time around is like clubs when they can be at their best because these two clubs are all very inclusive. They're all about like a very, uh, broad theme. They want they
0: want people yeah.
1: to to join them. So the it's...
0: animal club, the friendship club. At first, I thought they said the anime club, and I was like, Oh, you You gotta be like, get that kid out of that school. <laughs> uh, the Knights Templar club. They know where the Holy Grails buried. That's right. Uh, all uh, kinds of fun clubs.
1: It, I I also thought that they were missing the point, but I think that these are like the ideal versions of clubs that kids of this age should be having, if at all. Very inclu- very inclusive. Very you know non controversial. All that all that kind of stuff. And then we get to the second story in our episode. It is Stolen Bike. Uh, Arthur's narrating this one once again. Well, before again. we
0: get into the actual plot of the episode, sorry, yeah, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, you know, my bike was stolen once. Really? Yes, yes, sir. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, my bike was stolen. Me and my mom went into a corner store, and I had, like, I had been walking my bike with me or something. Okay. And I left it outside the corner store, and I didn't lock it. And when we came back, it was gone. Um, And there was like some teenagers hanging around and my mom paid that teenager 80 bucks to tell her where the bike was. And then we got the bike back. Oh my goodness. Now the teenager didn't demand 80 bucks, but I think, again, I was very young when this was going on. So I don't think I fully grasped the situation, but uh, my mom seemed to have an inkling that these ruffians would know where the bike was if she paid them. So she offered up the financial reward and eventually the bike was recovered. Wow. That is harsh, man. (laughs) That stinks. Hey, I was just happy I got my bike back.
1: Sure. I just I feel bad for your mom in that situation. Stolen bike. I, thankfully, could never ride a bike. Yeah. So, never it's like never one, had that problem.
0: It's like that meme with that guy. It's like pointing to your head. Yeah, you can't, you, can't get can't, your bike stolen if it, you don't know how to ride one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Arthur's narrating this one again, and it's all about, you know, Francine's great and all that kind of stuff. But there's one rule that you have to follow. And everybody's unhitching their bikes, getting ready to go. Francine, what I, th- I thought she might appreciate this. I'm thinking, again, with the filmmaker's eye of there's a – Francine's like, look out, coming through. She puts her hand up to the camera as if to like push somebody out of the way. And then in the recovery shot, Francine's walking to her bike and it's this like canted Dutch angle as it's like spinning around as if you're like getting up from being pushed over. So she seemingly like hurricaned through everybody to get to her bike, which is the lesson do not get between her and her bike. She's had this green bike since preschool and she has grown out of it as we find out. But we do get a little snapshot of the young lives of our some of our main characters. So it's Arthur, Brain, and Buster uh, comparing their bikes like a bunch of little geeks.
0: Or like they're like little miniature versions of the gang in Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift (laughs) when they're all showing off their cool drift cars. Their sweet hogs. Uh, Buster makes a really weird brag about how his bike could go zero to one in 60 seconds. Yeah. I I really haven't done the math in my head to figure out if that is impressive or not. I feel like it's not, but i don't know bikes don't go as fast as cars so maybe 0 to 1 it's
1: it's kind of not because they're <laughs> because they're because they're tricycles i think because that was the point is that francine was riding a bicycle when they were all in tricycles and of course like 0 to 0 to 1 this is one mile not kilometer but yeah. you, all the same it's like not it, it takes you a full minute to get up there not exactly something to brag about but he's a kid of course
0: yeah regardless and, it's a funny line my
1: favorite my favorite is is you know like brain being like i decided i'd get more power if i lowered the chassis and then arthur's like
0: yeah well, check out this
1: bell, <laughs> <laughs> and like you rings, and i 'm like, "Whoa, whoa, hardcore uh, and then Francine leaves them in the dust. so the episode starts with the Frenskis at dinner, and you know they can 't exactly get her new bike, as I say a couple times in this episode it 's just kind of not in their budget they live they try and live within their means. Uh, and Francine says it's not fair I'll die without a bike and then we get a classic Oliver Frensky and at this moment I was like oh this episode's gonna have a lot of Ollie Frensky in it and I'm a happy man so he just does the whole over dramatic like not that anything but that just like pretending as if she's actually gonna die it's, it's it's funny I liked it and he has an idea so they go down to what I'm assuming is the basement of the building where like the communal basement storage unit. Yeah. yes Oliver finds his old his old bike that he used to ride around when he was um, roughly Francine's age and maybe a bit older. Uh, it's 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 a little beat up. It's definitely seen where, Like you could you could definitely ride it. It's uh, good for that, but it's uh, certainly quite old.
0: It is, but I also don't think like this bike and everybody's reaction to it later on in the episode doesn't really work as well in a modern context because like. Old-timey bikes are way in style. Everybody mm-hmm. wants a retro-looking one-speed to cruise around town in. Sure. Uh, I've seen people get very excited when they see a bike that looks a lot like Oliver Frensky's at like a thrift store mm-hmm. or something. So
1: I think it's just the uh, the age-old uh, idea of kids that like it's got to be the newest and it's got to be the flashiest, or else it's you know a piece of junk, which is sure. absolutely not true. I
0: guess like appreciating something like that is something that comes when you get a little bit older. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, you know, Francine kind of takes it resignedly. She's not super happy about it, but, you know, it'll do for now. And uh, Oliver's just like, Let's just." there's a couple things I need to check out. You know, the brakes. And it just cuts to him r- pa- riding downhill with no... No feet on the pedals, just having a blast. He's just like hooping and hollering. And I could watch that man ride a bike for hours. (laughs) It was great. I I was having such a good time. I love Oliver Frensky. Uh, so the next day at school, Fran- uh, Francine brings her new bike and her friends are just kind of giving her a hard time, really chirping her
0: almost unne- like almost needlessly. Like I get it. The bike's old. It's like kind of rusty, but that's it. It doesn't look that bad, but yeah. people are really raking her all over the coals, but Buster's
1: more yucking it up and Muffy seems genuinely concerned for her. She's just <laughs> like, you know, what is that? <laughs> and he's like it's my new bike and Buster just comes in like new in what century like really MST3King for yeah, Bu- bike.
0: Buster's got jokes this episode. Yeah. It's... Uh
1: and, and Francine's like I could have chosen any bike on the lot but I picked this one and it's got like this, you know, crummy old basket on the front and it just kind of falls off and it I gri- must say I really laughed at this Muffy line. She just goes,
0: "But Francine" Why? <laughs> like g- again, genuinely concerned. Like she thinks something is wrong. I do like what Mu- th- what they do with Muffy in this episode because she's insufferable as per usual, but her heart's in the right place for once.
1: Yeah, she just really has trouble. Like in this this uh, up this uh, following classroom scene where they're learning about the wheel and ancient Sumerian cultures. Buster gets a sweet burn in here once again,
0: quote unquote it, sweet. I thought this was so mean, though.
1: It it kind of is. It's
0: it's a it, let me tell you, it's a brutal burn. Don't get. Me me wrong. The f- the flames are real. You know what? I didn't I didn't mean sweet. I meant sick. Yes, sick indeed, but sick in both senses of the word. Indeed. You know
1: what I mean? It just seems that from what we've seen in the first season, Buster, his comedic senses are so honed that he can't resist a joke even if it's to the detriment of his own friendship.
0: Yeah, this was like
1: this goes <laughs> back to episode 1 territory when he put the glasses on his face. Even though Arthur is his best friend, yeah, like he just can't resist it.
0: He that's, needs to say something. That's what I said. He's got jokes, and when he's got jokes, no one's gonna stop him. Buster would
1: absolutely be a too soon artist on Twitter.
0: Um, he would, uh, he'd be at like every Comedy Central roast. He, like, uh,
1: you know what? I bet he's, I bet he's looked up, uh, footage on YouTube of that Gilbert Gottfried 9/11 joke that oh was goodness. like the same week that it happened. Mm. And Buster, I bet Buster. he and I bet he
0: laughed. Buster's a regular Andrew Dice Clay.
1: Hey, hey, Hickory Dickory Dock. Oh, Buster's responding to Mister Ratburn, who says, uh, "What would the ancient Sumerians have done with their new wheel?" And he and he just goes, "Build Francine's bicycle." And it cracks everybody up except for Francine and Muffy, actually, who comes to her defense and actually makes it worse. Mm, um, salt in the wound, indeed, and doesn't mean to. But she says, "You know, stop picking on Francine. It's not her fault. She has to ride an." ugly old bicycle or wear unfashionable hand-me-downs and just like okay
0: it's like a really awful thing to say but again i'm not super mad at muffy for it because it's not her trying to purposely be mean she has no perspective yeah, like none like she that's like a horrible thing to say about somebody but she doesn't realize it she's not doing it on purpose
1: can anyone tell us what these early sumerians might have done with their new wheel mr baxter Build Francine's bicycle?
0: (laughs) 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 Uh,
1: So then Francine decides she's had enough of all this ribbing. She's going to ditch the bike, uh, at least for the time. She doesn't mean to ditch it forever. She just puts it behind a tree and like a bush or whatever, and we'll just come back for it later when her friends aren't around. Do
0: you know what this reminded me of? Yeah. Uh, The Canadian picture book, The Hockey Sweater. Yeah. If you don't for those who don't know in the plot of the Hockey Sweater there's this kid who's a huge Montreal Canadiens oh, it's fan. It's a classic Canadian folk tale. And he uh orders in a catalog a uh, Montreal Canadiens jersey so he can play hockey with his friends except the Toronto Maple Leafs one gets sent instead. And he, and he's
1: and he's French so he needs a Montreal a, a Maurice Richard jacket.
0: Yeah, there's nothing worse than wearing a Toronto being the only kid with a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey all the other kids make fun of him. He he becomes a menace. He eventually prays for moths to come and eat the sweater so it will go away. And so this sort of trying to get rid of something that was gifted to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is that's what it reminded me of.
1: Good comparison. And of course uh, that was that was the same sort of thing of you know the kid's mother in that story. They 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 were they like were they couldn't
0: afford another sweater.
1: Right. She had to save and save in the Eaton's catalog mm-hmm. in order to get that uh, that sweater. And uh, and the Frenskys can't afford a new bike, so they had to get her a hand me down one very very good uh i love that story francine ditches her bike she comes back everybody's kind of asking where it was and she's just like i'd just rather walk i noticed here a lot of the facial animations in this episode are really good the mm. characters are very expressive in this episode and i really enjoyed looking at it uh and it was here that i kind of ma- made that or made that connection uh at this point, so her friends ride away, and then I think it's, like, maybe the next day or maybe just a couple of hours later, like, she goes back to the bushes for her bike, and then the garbage truck is taking it away, and before she can get to it, it is trashed. So she is without a bike. And, uh, and, and of course, at that point, Buster and Arthur are just like, hey, Francine, want to do, like, stuff on your bike? Want to <laughs> use, use your bike? Hey, where's your bike? Bike, 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 bike. And then Francine has to lie and say that it was stolen because she doesn't have a good excuse for where it went. And but at this point she's really not she doesn't she doesn't want to commit to the lie but she has to. Like I've said a couple times this episode she's like dug herself a hole and then to try and get her out she's she'll dig her way out. No, dig up, stupid. So uh, she's continually adding to the lie, but she's trying to also deflect from it, trying to make it not a big deal so everybody forgets about it. But her friends are very incensed. So they take it all the way to Mr. Haney.
0: But I actually like that about this because I was getting really frustrated with the likes of Buster and Muffy early on in this episode just because they're being so cruel. Like the idea of these friends like making fun of someone because, you know, they're of a lower... in. This isn't... I'm sure Buster and Muffy aren't aware of this, But us as a viewer can tell that Francine's family doesn't have as much money as Muffy's or Buster's. And so it's so cruel to see them sort of make fun of her or, in Muffy's case, uh, berate her for this. And so I actually really liked that it was almost redemptive how when Francine's bike goes missing, they're so concerned. Like it is – number one on their list of like, okay, we need to make a game plan right now. Almost as if someone went missing. They're like, we need search teams. Mm -hmm. We need to get to the bottom of this. Uh, So I actually really liked that because it won me over a little bit Mm -hmm. after how mean they were being early on in the episode.
1: I uh, I guess with me, I've kind of seen that in both media and real life where it's like kids will make fun of other kids for, you know, being poor. Like that's something that you don't see a whole lot of, but I've definitely... You know, seeing kids before that are, they're just kind of, you know, outcast a little bit because like, oh, their family's poor. And it was like, there's no good reason for that. But just kid, kids are mean and we'll do that. Uh, and, but it did. It was a bit of cold water to see it coming from, you know, characters you're supposed to like.
0: Exactly. So
1: I can understand where you're going from. And, yes, I do try and uh, um, kind of go back on that a little bit. So. Francine's lie that she ends up digging herself into is that she was hurrying home on her bike to do her chores when all of a sudden she is accosted by these scary garbage people who are operating what appears to be a giant Happy Meal toy. It's a it's a dumpster with a claw arm coming out of the of the the thing, the back of it. And the claw arm snatches her bicycle, and they both laugh like maniacs. It's like a Mad Max movie.
0: It's like, I, I wrote down it's something like out of a a, a trauma film or something. <laughs> yeah, like they look like characters out of Hobo with a Shotgun. Like yes, there's these super high concept. 80s grindhouse like we just like putting things in our garbage machine <laughs> like yeah, like, and, like there's w- the woman driving it's laughing maniacally and the, <laughs> and the design of the like you said the design of the garbage machines downright bizarre again it reminds me of something out of like toxic avenger or something. yeah
1: absolutely it looked like a happy meal toy that i had where it was like a gar- it was a garbage it was a dump truck but it had like a monster mouth and just like all that kind of stuff, it's,
0: strange aesthetic.
1: It's like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was so weird.
0: <laughs> they like uh, it, the 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 arm grabs Francine in the fantasy and like whips her around before it gets. Yeah, the and light it would off. have eaten
1: her if she hadn't have escaped off of it. Uh, Mr. Haney's just like, I had no idea these kinds of trucks were roaming the streets. <laughs>
0: Classic Mr. 80. Uh,
1: But, of course, uh, her friends kind of smell something fishy. And a couple of really, like, really genuinely good Buster lines, some of the hardest laughs that I've had in the season so far. Um, You know, Arthur says, do you think there was something fishy about Francine's story? And he says, yeah. Does she expect us to believe that she was hurrying home to do her chores? How dumb does she think we are? And Muffy's just like, I think he meant that the bike-eating truck was fishy, Buster. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then Buster's conclusion is that the reason she lied is because the person who took the bike is somebody we all know. And then this is the line that absolutely killed. Like, I had, to pa- <laughs> I had to pause the episode, and I was in a coughing fit. because. So he's come to the conclusion that somebody they know has stolen the bike. Logical. And then the line is, and now the question is, which one of us knows how to drive a bike-eating truck? Also logical. <laughs> It's so good and it, the delivery is great. It's so funny. Elementary. Yeah. Uh so at this point Francine is kind of feeling low about, you know, telling the lie. At this point she is uh oh uh you know I missed I kind of missed a vignette here of uh, her and Oliver kind of talking about the bike. She's not so crazy about it, and he had to, you know, kind of reiterate we don't have the money to buy you a new bike. So the... he's
0: actually paying a phone bill while they're having this conversation.
1: No, different conversation. Oh, okay. This is early in the episode. Uh, you know, they can't buy a new bike in the meantime. The old one is going to have to do her just fine. Uh, she's like watching a movie with her parents or with her whole family, and uh, she's just trying to again take attention off of the lie. But of course, everybody knows that she doesn't... Her bike is not there and Catherine's really giving her a hard time about it because obviously she smells something fishy too.
0: Yeah, Catherine's the only one who's not really humoring her. Like, you get the idea that, like, Oliver and her mom know it's a lie but they're just going along with it.
1: Yeah, and they can tell that Francine's upset. Yeah. So, uh...
0: Where's Catherine? She's just cutting right through the BS.
1: Right. At at one point, Oliver says, uh, who knows? Maybe it will find its way back to us somehow and Catherine says, Dad, it's a bike, not a dog. (laughs) I thought that was kind of good. But yeah... It worked for Pee Wee. Catherine, very much a, a teenager, is trying to get to the bottom of things. And then he costs Francine trying to offset her by uh, using the plot of a movie they saw last week where it's like Francine getting amnesia. So the lie is getting deeper and deeper. Uh, she, and, of, and, of course, Catherine says thinks oh, Catherine oh, thinks she's lying because she wants a new bike, so she purposely lost the old one, which isn't really the story.
0: Were they watching Memento? Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, maybe, wasn't there a... Wasn't there a... Final Fantasy X. Wasn't there like a Harrison Ford movie that was like he kind of lost his memory or... Are you just thinking of The Fugitive? Maybe I am. Uh, I didn't steal that bike. I don't care.
0: Uh, (laughs) The one-armed man stole the bike. (laughs) You know what? That would be way more realistic than garbage truck people stole the bike. If a one-armed man, like a one-armed dog in the Arthur Universe. No, the one-armed man.
1: (laughs) Uh, So the next day at school... Buster and Muffy reveal they know who stole Francine's bike. And I I just want to say very quickly, nobody else is probably going to get this, but there's a shot where before Buster holds up the wanted sign which says Binky wanted $1 that he, Buster looks exactly like Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. And that and that made me think if we ever did a live action Arthur, Charlie Day would be an awesome Buster. He does he ha- have like he dig- has the he has the manic energy to pull it off.
0: Mm-hmm, the like late night Alex Jones watcher energy of an adult yes. Buster that's totally that's a good that's solid cast
1: and because the face that Buster was making like rem- looked like Buster was talking about Pepe Sylvia like he had just like drawn the web just like I got I got boxes full of Pepe so <laughs> Charlie, so we, so we already Charlie have two.
0: we have two members of the Arthur cast locked in we have John Legend for Arthur we have Charlie Day for uh, Buster yes we'll, we'll fill out the rest as we go along we'll
1: just have to have it come along naturally yeah uh, so Binky is the prime suspect, and at this point, uh, so
0: prime they're willing to offer a dollar reward for dead or him. dead or alive.
1: <laughs> Francine again trying to get them off the trail because now she has she's brought an innocent man's name through the <laughs> mud. And in fact, uh, Muffy is holding what seems to be a Charles Foster Kane esque rally in order to get uh, support for her anti Binky cause.
0: This speech from Muffy was. Like again, Muffy was kind of annoying me with how mean she was being, but I gotta give it to the writers. Like this speech was crazy.
1: Yeah, and, and she, it just kind of kept going. And she, like, she, she's just like. One of my best friends has been traumatized. We need to we need to form a party to get after Binky. Any volunteers? Nobody volunteers. And she's like, you are the biggest bunch <laughs> of babies!
0: <laughs> her enunciation was so on the nose. It was awesome.
1: And also, uh, speaking of how many times you brought the NWO in this episode, Arthur kind of doing the, the Scott Hall point to the side mm. when he's trying to signal her that Binky is coming.
0: Yeah, we have that classic sitcom bit of like, uh, the person you're talking about right around, behind turn you. Turn around, turn around. But here's the other twist about it. I actually thought this spoke to Muffy's character. Usually when that happens yes. in sitcoms, people turn around and they're like, uh, and they go back on what they were saying. Muffy plants her feet and she says, Binky, like, you were the one that stole the bike and I ain't moving.
1: Right. We get the shot of Binky where he's, like, lumbering up and he's, like, shaking the ground with every step and everybody's terrified. Not Muffy. And then she, she kind of, like, Like, her eyes widen a little bit, and then she just goes, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And then they kind of go back and forth a little bit, and then Binky kind of backs down a little bit because he's all coming on all tough and just like, you saying I stole Francine's bike? Yeah, well, I didn't do it. And then everybody kind of starts to gang up on him, but then Francine comes in to say that she stole her bike and that Binky is completely innocent and muffy with the with the a bit of an overreaction great now everyone hates me <laughs> thanks to you
0: and then Francie just rolls her eyes as if she was again the audience surrogate. She just rolls her eyes like, "Oh, there's Muffy going on again." This
1: is this is probably my favorite Muffy moment so far. I thought it was just so Oh, I agree. totally so, so surreal that it actually kind of worked.
0: It's the most I've been into Muffy in this show thus far. <laughs> she she crossed the line of being uh, annoying to like totally entertaining.
1: Right, or at least understandable where she's coming from. At this point, Francine, we cut over to the dump where Oliver Frensky is, and man, he looks down. Like, he's just kind of...
0: You could say he's down in the dumps. Oh, yeah, I could.
1: I'm just mad I didn't think of it first. <laughs> uh, so Francine joins him there, and he found the bike, and at, at one point, he's and he tries to kind of cover up for her, of just like, yeah, the robber must have stashed it in the truck and, uh, and ran away. And Francine's like, dad, nobody stole it. It was me. And he's just like, I know. Uh, but, and I gotta say, dad goals Oliver Frensky here. So he's obviously, like, when we join him, he's very upset. He's, like, thinking to himself, like, of how Francine mainly lied to him, which is the, uh, I thought at first that it was gonna be like, oh, you didn't like my bike, why didn't you say so? But it was like, no, you you lied about it, and I don't like that. But he does even say, like, Francine says, everybody was making fun of me, and, uh, I, you know, just didn't want to have that bike anymore. He says, "Well, I understand. I understand how you felt, but you still shouldn't have lied about it." But then eventually they make up, and Francine says that they could probably fix it, paint it up a little bit, and make it good, make as good as new, maybe even better. And then he just immediately is like, well, what are we waiting for?" I'm just like, "Oh, we taught her a lesson, and he forgave her. What a dad! What a dad! I love that, Oliver Frensky."
0: Oliver Frensky is apparently would do really well on the old Discovery Channel show Junk Wars because he's, like, always able to, like, mm-hmm. completely restore things from the dump.
1: Uh, and then our final scene of the episode is the Frensky family outside of Westboro Apartments, as it's uh, named. The sign mm. says Westboro Apartments. So it's to show off Francine's new bicycle. Mrs. Frensky is impressed. Catherine is not. And... Uh, Oliver offers Francine to take the first ride, but no, she graciously turns it over to him. Uh, He doesn't want to deprive her of the moment she'd been waiting for. I must say, this must be a really good bike to hold both the likes of Francine and the full weight of 40-year-old Oliver Frensky.
0: It's just like an adult bike. I'm sure it's fine. Well, I, I sp- well, considering it was rusted all to heck,
1: mm-hmm. uh, still ticking, still mm-hmm. ticking. And then we get a, we get one final hoop and a holler down the street as Oliver Frensky having the time of his life. This with-
0: time, no feet, no hands.
1: Yeah, he's a madman. He man. is
0: like all the way leaned back onto that bicycle. Uh, I want
1: I want a party with twenty year old <laughs> Oliver Frensky. He must have been a hoot in college. Oh my goodness. All right, so let's uh, take a. A look at our episodes in review. Let's go back to My Club Rules. What
0: do you think? I don't have much to say about My Club Rules. It's a typical ensemble episode where it's just a, kind of a lot of vignettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking through it now, I understand the moral a little bit more. But it is a little – it's not very clear, yeah. especially considering I'm an adult and it's meant for children. And so you'd think they usually kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to their morals. And this time I was like, oh, clubs are bad. Uh, don't have ex- – um, rules that are exclusatory it, it, it was kind of just murky I liked some of the vignettes uh, Buster's Club was hilarious hanging out under that blanket something I've done many a time uh, but besides <laughs> read, that reading comics besides that it was kind of a just a middle of the road episode that I can't see myself watching again anytime soon
1: uh, I, I'll just say if I was gonna put my allegiance to any club it would be uh, Sue Ellen's reading and walking club because I did that all the time when I was her age uh, you know I was really excited for the uh, the latter half of the season, because it had all of the ensemble episodes that I thought were going to be slam dunks. Like I was, I remembered those as ones that I absolutely loved, and I was convinced that I would love them as a kid. But it's interesting that they were all kind of around the end of the season, because at this point we've gotten spotlight episodes for practically every character, and we've discussed that we discussed this in last week's episode on uh, on uh, Scare Your Pants Off Club and I'm a Poet that. The ensemble episodes, they're fun, but they don't really do much I guess they don't resonate as much as the ones focusing on maybe one or two characters and their own relationships and how they grow and develop. I think that's just, and I and I guess that's viewing it as an adult. When I was a kid, I think I preferred. The you episodes. just got to see
0: all your friends.
1: Yeah, you got to see all my friends, all the characters I like bouncing off each other, all like the funny bits, the cool bits, all that kind of stuff. But as an adult, I want to know more about these characters, and it episodes like these since there's only so much time and they mm-hmm. it's more about more about the yucks and the adventure it doesn't get so much into that it's fun but it's doesn't it's not it, it, it lacks the substance of other episodes.
0: Uh, there's just not time for an A to B to C arc with most of the characters. So what ends up happening is everybody's at A. Half the episode goes by, and then at the end everybody's at B. Yeah. Everybody kind of switches on the dime, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't really feel like it earns its moral. Right.
1: But I I, I kind of group this one in with the previous two episodes. Mm. Uh, in fact, I thought maybe they were interchangeable in in some way. But I mean, they're all they're all good fun. They're just. Uh, you might want to you might watch them one time and then be fine and then we get to uh, stolen bike which kind of tries to part it in the middle a little bit it's meant to be character focused but because everybody is in the episode it ends up being ensemble ish as well so we're kind of trying to meet in the middle and it also does doesn't work as well as some other episodes. Now, I will say, with the combining of the two, you get a little bit of Francine, but I didn't feel her character was developed. I felt that her character responded to the situation of, like, what if she was caught in a lie and had to, like, kind of keep it going? And then the hijinks came in when everybody else Mm. was involved. And... That was okay but I felt like you could pretty much plug the Francine I mean other than the fact that Francine's family are on a fixed income uh, and you know have this unique situation I feel like this wouldn't be necessarily uh, something that only she could talk about. So I didn't feel like it was necessarily personalized to her specifically. I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I like I love Oliver Frensky as I've said many times. I thought it was genuinely very funny in some parts, and I loved the characterization, like uh, not the forwarding of character, or maybe maybe in Muffy's case that's arguable. But I I, I liked the character moments that everybody got: Buster, Muffy, Francine. I I and I, and I end up feeling a little bit better about that one. Uh, and I don't wanna, I don't want to say that it's bad or anything. It's just I, I can see now where I'll, I'll repeat myself here. They tried to meet in the middle and kind of didn't satisfy either extreme. It wasn't like super fun, but it also wasn't super heartfelt.
0: but it did it did both pretty well. I think your criticism totally still stands. I do think I enjoyed it a little bit more. And maybe it's because I was more horrified at all the kids being rude to Francine and I was just rooting for her so hard throughout the episode. But I was really surprised with every time Arthur tackles issues of class and stuff like that, for lack of a better term, they do it with such class. Like – uh, they don't beat around the bush. It's very obvious to an adult that Francine is of a lower income family than all the other characters, right. but I think they handle it in such a respectful way. And so I, I liked that, but I also liked that that kind of almost serious subject matter is balanced out with there's some great comedy in that episode as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I I actually really liked the episode. And again, it wins points for me from finally giving us some redemption to the Muffy character. For sure.
1: And I think it's uh, notable in that sense, too. Uh, yeah, I would I would say that I agree with you. Uh, and uh, I'd say that it is the winner of the two. And we'd love to know what you think. So let's go through our plugs real quick here. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. You can find us over there. In fact, I want to highlight that we got a five-star review today from listener uh, Andrea or perhaps Andrea. I'm going to go with Andrea because that's the way I say my sister's name. Andrea, thank you very much for your five-star review. You can do that on Facebook and uh, get in touch with us there. On Twitter, you can be one of our 50-plus followers at ECL Podcast. Thank you, everybody. Uh, especially uh, Corbin and Jack. Thank you for liking our stuff. Appreciate it, guys, and everybody else. We really, I love I love getting to interact with people on there. I also love interacting with people on elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Lots of great reblogs happening there. Ask us a question in our ask box or uh, chat us up, whatever you'd like to do. If you'd like to send in an email, something a bit more long form, or maybe just something for our eyes only, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Feel free to email away. And finally, you can find listen to us one of two ways. Soundclub.com slash Elwood City Limits. Or you can find us on iTunes or, excuse me, via Apple Podcasts, as I've been told is the proper nomenclature, as I got an email today from Apple. Apple Podcasts. You can find us on your Apple Podcasts app. And uh, if you find us there... Feel free to subscribe and rate and review us. As
0: a matter of fact, five stars—that's right. The name might have changed, but their algorithm hasn't. That's right. Keep giving us those ratings. It's the best way to help out the podcast. Besides word of mouth, is to rate us on the Apple Podcasts service. As
1: somebody uh, did just this week on Monday, uh, the user "Before You Fall." Uh, sent us a five-star review titled, Well Done. Before is that on
0: the uh, Canadian one? Yes, it is. Oh,
1: okay. Before you fall, thank you very much, and thank you everybody who has reviewed us and rated us so far. If you've done so on your own country's uh, uh, iTunes page, please let us know, and we will take a look at it, and uh, provide a screenshot if you can. That'll make it a bit easier. Uh, finally, before we get into the next episode, I just want to say something personal. I just... I had a really bad week this week like it started out real real bad and i was having a a real rough time of it all. Things are getting a bit better. And I want to say this has been one of the highlights of my week. It always is getting to discuss Arthur, but it wouldn't be nearly the highlight that it is if we didn't have great people like you listening and interacting. So if you, if you haven't done that yet, interact with us on any of social media or through email or anything like that, I encourage you to do so. And if you are, please continue to do so. I really appreciate it. I know Lucas really appreciates it as well. Lucas, I don't mean to speak for you, man.
0: No, no, I agree. I agree 110%. Uh I, I am surprised every time we get a response, and it's a good kind of surprise. It makes me very happy to have interaction, and I'm glad that people enjoy this show uh, as much as I enjoy it. So.
1: And it's, you know, I have to remind myself that, like, you know, this would be a podcast I would listen to, mm. which, I, which I guess is a good compliment for myself, but it's the kind of thing where, like, I can't believe that I made this. I can't believe that you know, me, just a random 20 something from Canada, along with my uh, not so random 20 something uh, friend, that we made this podcast and that people listen to it and you like us. So, you know, thank you. Really, really thank you. Okay, so next week, next week, it's the end of Arthur season one season finale, baby. Season finale. We're going out big. It's going to be Arthur's first sleepover
0: and Arthur's New Year's Eve. Oh, man what a fitting finale I actually, end of the year, end of the season
1: I actually love that I didn't know that that was the last in the production because no spoilers for the episode but it ends in a very nice end of the season way You did, it just it airs usually out of order so I didn't know it was the end of the season when I was young. Mm. my name's Will Young, thanks a lot for hanging out with us today, Lucas what's up
0: who wants to waste time learning how to swim, bombs away
1: <laughs> for Lucas Mancini Well, you know my name. Thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll see you next time. And, of course, ECL for for, 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 for. (laughs) life.